This is Risky Women Radio, a show to connect, celebrate and champion women in risk, regulation and compliance, sharing insight and perspective from the most influential members of our global Risky Women Network on the latest developments we need to think about, the challenges we should all talk more about and the innovation we are most excited about in governance, risk and compliance. Bringing together the hundreds of senior women professionals already connected with a new emerging group of leading women and men. I'm Kimberly Cole, your Chief Risky Woman. That's been a major, major change for me is understanding that you're making decisions that don't just affect your firm or and its customers. You're making decisions that absolutely have a the potential to impact a really broad range of stakeholders and, ha- and have a very lasting impact on a number of people and, and your community. Welcome to Risky Women. Kathy Armour is one of Australia's leading corporate lawyers in the Australian financial sector. She's one of only four commissioners of the Australian Securities and Investment Commission and she's also a member of Chief Executive Women. Kathy's direct responsibility at ASIC is markets regulation, and she's going to tell us more on that today. She has also sponsored some impressive programs around diversity, equality, and access to financial markets for both Torres Strait Islanders and also for women. Let's welcome risky woman, Kathy Armour. Thank you very much for joining us today. Well, that's a pleasure. I'm happy to be here. Excellent. Um, So we'll start off because you've had a very interesting career. So I'd love to sort of give us a walkthrough and some of your career highlights to date and how you ended up at the commission um, and, uh, and, yeah, any highlights along the way. Okay, well, I'll just stick with the highlights rather than (laughs) the lowlights, which I think we all inevitably have in our careers. My career started as a lawyer and I had the pleasure of working in Sydney and a stint in New York in the um, the era of the first Wall Street movie, so um, in the 1980s. Um, and that was a fantastically interesting um, event for me, a period of time to be working there, and really introduced me, I think, to the, the interesting world of financial markets in a way that um, I wouldn't have been introduced if I'd stayed in Australia. Um, I came back to Australia, um, continued in the legal profession for a little while, but then left and joined JP Morgan as their um, general counsel and had the ple- in Australia, mind you, um, and had the pleasure then of doing a range of different jobs um, at JP Morgan. And that's where I really saw the value of risk and risk professionals in an organisation. Um, I had the opportunity to work in compliance, but at one stage I had a chief operating officer job and had the various mid-office and operations teams reporting to me as well as being responsible for legal and compliance. So it was very interesting. We went through the JP Morgan Chase Manhattan merger. Um, again, fascinating to see how a large organisation, even in your in your when you're in a relatively small office in the country, how it adjusts to such a significant change. That was fascinating. And after that, I joined Macquarie. I was very, very excited to be joining an Australian headquartered organisation. I am someone who's very um, committed to living in Australia and to us having um, really fantastic financial markets in Australia. I think that's an important national asset. And I think we actually 
do do that. We have we have very effective markets here, um, and I had a wonderful time working at Macquarie. It was for eleven plus years. I was an executive director for one of their divisions, which is Macquarie Capital, and in that job, um, I we really built a legal and compliance and operating risk team. Um, from a sort of humble beginnings to a team that operated across all our, uh, the geographies we worked we worked in, and it was a fantastically interesting um, role. We um, we not only conducted a financial services business, um, but we actually made principal investments. So we acted a little bit like more traditional private equity firms. So we bought businesses that had significant operating risks associated with them. So. At one stage, um, we uh, we had a significant equity holding in an explosives um, business, or um, we had a significant equity holding in a um, a ship ship um, a ferry boat shipping business. So there are a range of different businesses, but all sorts of different operating risks as a result of those investments, and that was very fascinating. Um, activities to be involved in. So I've thoroughly enjoyed that. I joined ASIC um, in 2013 as a commissioner um, because I actually had had a fantastic career in financial services and had had the benefit of seeing how important um, effective financial services are both um, to our national economy but also our global economy and I felt that I needed to put back, if you like, um, in, into the sector and I could best do that if I was working um, in a regulatory role. So that that's my journey. So that's really interesting and we, we love to sort of share all of these different journeys mm. that certainly women have had because I think it's important for then sort of our emerging uh, community to understand the different paths you can take to to get to different, um, different opportunities. Mm. And so what have you, what's been the biggest change sort of being from the, the private sector to the public sector? So I must say I couldn't recommend a stint in the public sector to, to anyone and um, at any stage of your career. It's a terrific environment to really learn a different perspective and I think that's been a major, major change for me is understanding that you're making decisions that don't just affect your firm or and its customers. You're making decisions that absolutely have a, the potential to impact a really broad range of stakeholders and, ha and have a very lasting impact on a number of people and, and your community. So it's a very challenging area for the seriousness, if you like, of the decisions. Mm. At the same time, intellectually, the problems, if you like, or questions that you need to think about and the, the direction you'd like to take your organisation is just um, fund so fundamentally interesting and uh, it's really it's really very challenging but very satisfying um, place to work. Excellent. And so as this will um, be going out more globally, can you tell us um, more about the role of ASIC, um, you know, the importance it has to the Australian market and then maybe also um, globally? how ASIC sort of interacts with other regulators and stuff. So ASIC is the Australian Securities and Investments Commission. So we are Australia's integrated corporate financial 
markets, financial services and consumer credit regulator. Um, so that means we are an equivalent, if you like, to um, the Securities and Exchange Commission and the CFTC in the US combined with the um, various state uh, corporate corporation secretary of state functions or the FCA and companies house in the UK if you think about those sorts of combinations of organizations uh, that's where ASIC sits and we work very closely business is a global phenomenon you know mm. the it's gone are the days where can, uh, organisations can just wi exist within national boundaries. Um, and as a result, we work very closely with all of our regulatory counterparties globally and also the other financial services regulators in Australia. Um, so we have really quite a network and it's a, both a support network, so we're helping each other with common problems, but it's an information network. We borrow ideas from each other, um, we'll, we'll learn from each other. We are in Australia, uh, we were looking a number of years ago at whether or not um, we were comfortable with the way uh, dark pools which uh, were operating. And one of the things that we um, looked at was how this uh, Canada was looking at the issues. And we actually effectively borrowed an initiative um, that Canada had had just introduced and introduced it here and it, it has proven to be a really suitable initiative for our market. And we do that quite frequently in a number of areas, but that's just one example. So we, we chat with each other, we, we learn, we collect intelligence, we, we bond over common, <laughs> common problems and we think about the best ways to deal with issues. We like uh, the, the Australian um, Securities and Investment Commission, like many of our global counterparts actively participates in IOSCO, which is mm -hmm. the International Organisations of Securities Commissions. And we we really value that that participation and cooperation with the um, with our um, sister agencies. And, and where would you um, feel that I guess Australia's leading the way and that, you know, people are, are coming to us for the, the best practice? Well, now I must must make a disclaimer at the start of my answer to this question because as a commissioner my day-to-day -day responsibility is for regulation of our Australian financial markets right. so if you think about the our stock our securities exchange are over-the-counter markets and I think Australia is it just so happens I think we're leading the way in some aspects of our markets regulation we have um, what we our equities markets are reasonably clean that is they trade with um, a limited amount of information asymmetry so there's anyone who wants to invest in an Australian listed security should have a high degree of comfort that these are fair and transparent markets and I think we do a good job there I think our corporate governance um, systems uh, again are relatively well uh, best practice. Um, obviously there's lots of things we'd, we'd all set ourselves a bar of improving from time to time but generally world's best practice we have a, 
a, a good system of accountability um, and we really, I think the Australian business community is working hard at improving that system as we go. So we are doing things in that area. One area that ASIC, I believe, is a real leader in is its, um, beyond its market supervision, is in its um, financial capability work. So we have, we are the agency responsible within Australia for um, building um, Australians' um, capacity and capability to understand their financial situation. And we have a particular website that is called Money Smart that um, provides easy to use financial capability information. So whether you want to test whether you can um, comfortably manage a mortgage, whether your um, superannuation, your retirement investment is, is um, sensibly tracking, whether a particular product is dangerous for you, you can go onto this website and there's information that's produced in a way that's easy to digest and um, really well focused. So that's an area that we've, we work on quite, quite diligently and we have also um, ensured that financial literacy is embedded in um, the school curriculums together with the various education departments. We've trained over half the teachers in Australian schools on, do it, on ensuring that this occurs. And then we've developed very good targeted um, material that uh, for particular groups in the community who, who may have special needs on financial capabilities. So for Indigenous Australians, for example, we have material that is targeted for their needs. Um, we've recently done a, 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 another campaign on women's um, financial needs. So we, that's an area I think ASIC really has done fantastic work in. That's um, fantastic, Cathy. Yeah, I wasn't aware of a lot of those things and I think it's a really important area. Um, you know, you hear a lot about financial inclusion and certainly educating um, in the schools, I mm. think, is brilliant mm. because you don't hear a lot of that in most countries. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that is um, one of the other areas that we like to talk about is, and I know when you came and spoke to the Risky Women Network um, oh, last year, I guess, we spoke about how ASIC was promoting diversity and inclusion. So can you tell us more about, you know, how you are driving, you know, it's still a challenge everywhere, more women on boards, more women in executive leadership. What's ASIC doing to try to get more women? Thanks. Um, well, this does seem a bit of a perennial um, challenge, doesn't it? Um, we, look, like like any employer, I think we've realised that the more voices around the table um, focusing on any particular problem, the better the outcomes that we'll have, that um, teamwork is the best way to, to do a good job and really teams that have um, people who are think the same and do the same are not the most effective team. So we are very keen to ensure that we are a diverse workplace. Um, as far as gender diversity goes, uh, we have had in, in place for a number of year, years targets of, uh, for women uh, to be promoted to our senior leaders uh, leadership levels and we are making progress. I have to say We'd like the progress at the most, more the most senior level to be faster than it has been, but we have we have been making progress, which are, which is heartening, and um, and I think um, we're we're seeing this progress because we also measure, and I hope other others are doing this. We also me measure the gender pay gap, 
Uh, and w one of the um, areas that, that you can see progress is when you, you've managed to promote women to the next level, but because they've just come into that next level, you end up with a bit of a gender pay gap yeah. unintentionally at that level. And, I, and it's quite heartening to see when you break down what, the, what it's causing um, mm. gender pay gap, to see that actually it's because you've been successful at promoting women to the next level. So then, then you know you need to focus very long and hard on ensuring that those women are getting the mm. opportunities to uh, step up in their pay at as appropriate mm. on, on all occasions. So I think those sorts of things are really important. So, But we um, we not only focus on our gender diversity, we are focusing on cultural diverse, diversity, um, di diversity from a whole range of, of different groups. We, we just think we are a better organisation, mm. the more representative we can be of the broader community. So that's, that's how we're trying to deal with those sorts of issues. Yeah, the, um, it's really interesting. I mean, I think everyone wants to get ultimately to represent the community that and the customers that they're serving, mm. but also um, to drive for diversity of thought, mm. which, you know, without having a mix of people around the table, you you know, you can't, can't achieve. Um, but no, that's really interesting. And I think the, the gender pay gap is a really hot topic at the moment, um, a challenging one because, you know, the figures that are coming out are saying that, you know, there's huge gaps, but as you say, the devil's in the detail and it's very difficult to just take those headline numbers and not uh, get into what else do you need to do yeah. and why does this exist. Um, right, I'd love to just quickly now jump in. One of the things that I still, you know, feel that we hear a lot more opinions, um, whether it's, you know, op-ed pieces or it's uh, television or, you know, other forms of media, we don't get enough female perspectives on on some of the topics that are going on. So um, it'd be great to get into a couple of hot topics if we could. So I'd love to know a bit more um, if you can give us an update on, you know, what's, what's most exciting in the reg tech space at the moment and uh, anything that uh, ASIC's doing as, as well uh, that uh, would be interesting? Well, this is an area um, which I think is a good example of global regulatory cooperation. Um, ASIC, like most of its regulatory counterparts, is quite excited about the opportunities that new technologies are bringing to financial services, um, and in, in particular, to assisting financial services firms, or any firms really, to more efficiently deal with their regulatory obligations, which is sort of what is now very cutely called RegTech. <laughs> um, we, we, have, um, we actually uh, did some consultation late last year on what is useful for us to do in, the, um, in, in relation to RegTech. How can we be facilitative? How can we assist people? We um, held a RegTech meetup last year um, to hear from industry and to run through some of the ideas that industry has. Where um, where we have an innovation hub, which is a gateway, um, if you like, for startup businesses to come to ASIC and get some assistance with understanding what they need to do if they had, um, would like to operate in the financial services sector. So it's startup businesses don't have a lot of capital. Mm. They don't have a lot of money to spend on law lawyers or um, 
other advisors. So we, our Innovation Hub, very much focuses on providing some senior level advice to a new startup on how to, um, how to approach us efficiently and effectively. And we've, we've also broadened out uh, the focus of our Innovation Hub so that we can assist some of the startups in the reg tech area as well. Um, so we can h help share ideas about what might be useful um, from our perspective in relation to reg tech. We are also an investor in reg tech in the sense of, not in the sense of that we've got a lot of money to invest as an equity participant, but in the sense of we we need to use reg tech just like anybody else does. So for example, we have a um, real-time uh, equities and futures market surveillance system that is sort of, we think, is a leading edge uh, surveillance system where we program um, alerts, we can run we can run a whole lot of um, analytics to see whether or not there are problems in how the market's operating. Pretty standard example of reg tech. We now have developed some, uh, quite a lot of um, te technology um, sort of skills, if you like, but, but also solutions so that we can better respond in, on enforcement matters. So we actually have um, adapted a commercial solution um, to help us mine um, our, our own databases, but also um, general uh, law enforcement and publicly available databases uh, to, to ensure that we get all the relevant information we need on um, various enforcement matters. So we, we use the technology as well. So you've got big data, you've got artificial intelligence, you've got machine learning, you've yeah. got it all. Uh, Very exciting, really. I wish we could say we've got it all. Like everybody else, we're just tr we're experimenting and trying and um, trying things out and um, comparing notes with our regulatory counterparts and also quite happy to um, where we can um, compare notes and give ideas to um, people working in the sector and to work with um, organisations. So, for example, we've been working with the Australian Government Starter 61 group to um, look at various um, uh, technology solutions that would help us with our regulatory job. Um, so we're very, very interested in doing that sort of thing. So what about more broadly on the sort of just generally your views on the sort of changing regulatory environment? I mean, it's always seen as there's so much regulation happening. Um, you know, what, what's your sort of views on how, how things are developing? What's the kind of focus maybe just for, you know, the year ahead or maybe a bit longer? Okay, so there's a, a couple of themes from my perspective. Um, the first one is technology, um, and this is really you know, financial markets, financial services have had technology solutions for ages and for probably forever in some respects. Mm. I, I think there was, was trading in coffee houses, then by pigeons, you know, all those various things. So technology, new technologies is nothing new, but this, the pace of change raises real issues and from my perspective, you know, one of the things that we're very much concerned about is how well are firms dealing with the pace of change? How, how robust are their operational systems? Um, are they sort of dependent on a whole lot of um, a spaghetti of 
legacy systems, which to some degree we all are, but our, our firm's really cognizant of the risks inherent in that, um, in that process. So that's one area of particular focus for us. Um, we've, um, we have been working um, in our supervisory um, side on looking at firms' uh, cyber resilience. We're very interested in that. Uh, we put out a report late last year that just summarised some of the results that we have found. And, and um, I know this is an area of interest to all of the agencies that participate in IOSCO. So um, that's an area of great interest. But one of the other areas that's um, piquing our concern is also um, the impact of technology on financial financial crime mm. and um, really uh, how do um, how does the uh, the new types of technologies available how do they facilitate the sort of the traditional financial crimes you know fraud um, uh, market manipulation or market misconduct those sorts of things how are they facilitated? by um, the new technology. So we've developed our capability to surveil the dark web. We're looking at um, offending that is is sort of driven by new technologies. Um, and I, you probably recall that earlier, I think it was earlier last year, the SEC announced some charges against um, some individuals who weren't located in the US, they were located out of the US but they, um, they were charged with market misconduct um, offences because they had managed to hack into the systems of um, law firms in the US who had large mergers and acquisitions businesses and then were trading based on the information they obtained from from that that sort of activity, so that's that's an area that's quite interesting to us. We know as a regulator, people have got to be able to participate, whether it's the equities markets, futures markets, the established markets, or the over-the-counter markets. We know that they've got to be able to participate in those markets in a much much more um, confident manner, um, and and really feel that the the technology is supporting. Um, you know, open and transparent markets, not um, not um, actually a gateway for criminal activity. So we know we've got to be there looking at that. So that's some of the areas that that particularly the markets area at ASIC mm. is um, focusing on. Um, more broadly, of course, we are very focused on um, outcomes for uh, consumers and. This is probably more of a domestic issue, but we, um, at the moment, um, we have a royal commission underway in Australia into the financial services industry, and its first lot of hearings were focusing on um, what what were perceived to be poor outcomes for consumers in um, in relation to consumer credit, you know, home mortgages and insurance businesses, and we have been doing some work over the last number of years, and obviously we'll continue to do, about making sure that um, the obligations that firms that provide consumer finance um, have are being, being addressed, and that there's the expectations of consumers when they deal with a large financial firm um, are sort of clearly 
everyone understands what the bargain is, you know, what the arrangement is. That's one of the things that we're, we're particularly focused on. It's an incredibly broad spectrum. Yes. And, um, you know, everything from financial crime and then yeah. protecting the consumers yeah. at the other end. And as you say, you've got technology that can be used for good, but technology that can be used for evil as yeah. well. So it's a, it's a challenge. We're very focused at Thomson Reuters on, uh, on the financial crime element as well. Connecting, celebrating and championing women in risk regulation and compliance, Risky Women Radio takes an intimate look at the rants and revelations of the top women shaping the debate and the industry. So, our Risky Women Rants and Revelations section. So, if we maybe start with um, your revelation of the kind of one thing that you wish that you knew then that you know now so what or what would be that piece of advice that you would give to your younger self oh that's easy um it's about speaking up and protecting your career owning your career making sure you're you're actively um, promoting yourself and your career Um, don't wait for somebody to make an opportunity for you it's make it the opportunity for yourself just be, make everybody else that you work with accountable for your success. But uh, secretly, it's your, you need to own it. And I certainly, I've had a wonderful career. I've enjoyed it very much. But I wouldn't have stayed as long doing some of the things that I did if I was a much smarter Kathy. <laughs> Fantastic. I love it. Um, and then what's your rant? So what's things that's really annoying you that you wish you could change or um, make things go faster? So uh, there's, oh, there's a long list. I'm sure everyone has a long list. But I, um, speaking as a woman who um, made her career sort of through legal compliance risk um, areas, I do think... Um, one thing that I really want, would like us as a community of risky women to do is to stop um, conflating the notion of being a woman likely to have children, likely to have caring responsibilities with how your career is going and how you're perceived in the workplace. We need to separate the two ideas. Um, it's a social and important a social problem that employers and our community needs to grapple with how we look after our families how we look after our elderly how we look after the people who support them that's an important issue but it's not the same issue as how women um, progress in the workplace it's just one of the ingredients that goes to that just like whether you can operate a computer effectively and a whole range of other things and I think it's really important Whenever women get together and talk about um, career options and career opportunities and the things that they need to do or would like to do, that they just focus on their skill set and the outcomes that they want to see for that career. It's very, everyone knows (laughs) we'll all have demands on our time because of our families or our personal situations, but let's put that in that separate box and force employers to deal with that it's just as it's just as relevant for men as it is for women often not always but often and we need to start to separate the two because i don't think we've done ourselves a service by conflating the two ideas um so that's that is one rant i have 
<laughs> but more more generally, I think um, I just think we are in a really terrific situation now. We've had a, a financial crisis that's sort of gone by. Gone by, you know. Generally, we've, we're coming out from the other end of it. Um, financial services firms need to go through the exercise of rebuilding trust. So demonstrating that they are trustworthy, important parts of our um, social social fabric. And I think women in risk are really well placed to do this. And, you know, this is a time where you can actually really say the opportunity is here for me to build a career where I'm, I'm going to help you become the trustworthy organisation that you need to be to be successful. So I think... I think that if we can, um, a sort of a rant is let's start talking positively. And um, there's a lot of negativeness about regulation, but actually, I just from being in this job for four years, I've seen that we've had often have to bring financial services firms kicking and screaming to the table on things that they they know they need to do. You know, if there's been a mistake, you need to fix it and remediate your customers effectively. You shouldn't have to be brought kicking and screaming and really I think women in risk are well placed to to help firms overcome that that sort of trust deficit and position themselves well for the future. Brilliant great opportunities for our risky women. Risky Women is a vibrant network at the centre of a global community in a rapidly growing evolving and influential industry. Given the continued pace of change, our Rapid Fire Round revisits the most pressing topics to share ideas and offer listeners new perspectives. Okay, so Kathy, now our Rapid Fire Round to end on. So get ready. These are punchy answers to killer questions for you. So one word from you to sum up governance, risk and compliance from your perspective. Oh, opportunity. Excellent. I always say I love the Chinese symbol for risk because it is the same symbol for risk and opportunity. Oh, wow. That's good. Um, Top risk for 2018? Technology adaptiveness. Cure for the cost of compliance? Compliance is an asset. Uh, Being well regulated is an asset. Stop talking about it as a cost. It's an asset. It's a for your, one of the things that makes your firm valuable. Change the language. That's my cure. <laughs> um, biggest technology impact on compliance and risk. Oh gosh, it's hard not to say everything, <laughs> um, but I, I I think it actually is probably the legacy systems. The have the need to continually, you know, your c- compliance and risk often don't receive. Um, they're often not the people who get the first technology dollars in the firm um, to spend on their own activities, um, but somehow have to make the most out of limited access to technological resources to scan legacy systems. So I just think that the failure to address the legacy systems and the... the, um, Firms' inability to move to less bespoke style technology outcomes is probably the biggest risk for compliance and risk. And your outlook for the year ahead, optimistic, pessimistic, uncertain? So I'm, of course, I'm optimistic. <laughs> I, I think, um, yes, there'll be ups and downs. Yes, you know, the interest rate world is changing. 
all of those things. But wow, um, pretty good opportunities aren't there? We we oper operate in a really interesting global environment. Um, we all from a variety of markets which have their own strengths um, and we really are at a high point in co cooperating in generally and coordinating with each other and I think if we if we can just exploit those opportunities ex have a sense of generosity towards each other um, I think there's wonderful it'll be a wonderful year it can be a wonderful year ahead for financial services so kathy armor thank you very much for joining us thank you for being a risky woman thank you <laughs> thank you for listening to this exciting episode of risky women radio to connect champion and celebrate women in risk regulation and compliance i'm kimberly cole based in hong kong for more information on the Risky Women Global Network, head to our website in the episode notes and please be part of the ongoing conversation by subscribing to this podcast, connecting with us at Risky Women on Twitter, or even reaching out to me directly by email.